to Employing Differences, a conversation exploring the collaborative space between individuals. I'm Paul Tevis. And I'm Karen Gimnig. Each episode, we start with a question and we see where it takes us. This week's question is, is this how I want to be spending my energy? Came to this one really thinking about the the time that we're in of COVID days and everybody's on Zoom and Paul and I each sort of confessed that what you see around us is a, a much sort of cleaner, tidier sort of image than if I stood just over there and took a picture looking this way. <laughs> and we were both sort of revealing our piles and thinking about how this time of COVID has shifted some of the expectation that if a child walked in or a cat jumped up in front of me or those kinds of things that a year ago would have been seen as sort of unprofessional would now be just sort of part of the norm. And how is that part of an overall trend or how is that gonna land or carry us forward in terms of the image that we tell ourselves we need to keep versus authentically fully showing up just as who we naturally are and and even who we most maybe would like to be or like to be seen as. And the energy part of this question came from tracking what energy it's taken up by the professionalism or by maintaining an image or by thinking about who I want to be or by being in the presence of someone who is thinking about who they want to be or who they want to be seen as um, and how different that becomes if we let go of all that and show up as authentically ourselves. Yeah. It's really interesting to me when we start to pay attention to how much energy we may or may not be spending on, on the image that we're trying to project and, and, one of the things, there are absolutely some intersections of this conversation with larger conversations about privilege and professionalism and appearance in the American workplace and discrimination that people suffer because of those norms um, and those standards. And so different people have to spend different amounts of energy um, on, on that imagery. And what we're really kind of thinking about here is what is the cost of that, not only personally, you know, to that individual, but also to whatever group that person is a part of or those people are a part of. Because that energy, you know, that I may need to spend in order to appear professional when I'm working with a client, right, is energy that I can't be spending actually helping them with their problem. Um, it, regardless of whether or not that that image that I'm trying to create uh, is is useful or appropriate. I'm spending the energy on that, which means I can't allocate it to something else, which means that as as we were kind of talking, you know, you you pointed out like there are, there's the energy that we're spending and so we're filtering and so we're not saying things that we might be otherwise saying because that might be unprofessional, but also then we're not even having a chance to think about other things. We're not op operating at our fuller capacity when we do that. And so there's a cost to ourselves personally, and there's also a cost to the group. The group gets the groups gets dumber when we can't all be devoting as much energy as we would like towards whatever work it is we're doing together. Yeah, there's, there's a whole piece of sort of self-regulation and the, there's a concept called neuroception, which is this, uh, 
earlier than consciousness. It's, it's an, it is by definition an unconscious sort of scanning for danger, scanning for relational cues, scanning for anything we might need to pay attention to. And I think our neuroception picks up really clearly when someone else is not showing up authentically. So, so there's this sort of two sides of the coin of I'm over here spending a ton of my energy thinking about, well, is that a thing I'm allowed to say here? Is that a, a professional image I want to project? Is that an idea that would be welcomed here? That That's that personal side. And then on the opposite side, when you're across from that person, your own neuroception is picking up. There's something not totally correlating here. There's something not fully authentic here. There's not something that's not, there's some story that's not being fully told. Mm-hmm. And then both consciously and unconsciously, we begin to put energy toward where is that story? Like, what's the real story? Do I need to pay attention to the real story? Can I count on this story that's in front of me? And one thing I want to point out is that this all happens even in the absence of any bad intent or this isn't just a matter of somebody who's trying to be deceptive. This can be someone who is absolutely showing up as their best self, trying their best to be that professional team player. And they say the thing that you want to hear instead of the thing that's actually most authentically true for them. Or they don't say the thing that's actually what they're thinking that then maybe influences behavior later or other things. And as soon as I have any sense that I'm across from someone who's like that, I think mostly unconsciously and subconsciously, I start spending energy thinking about, can I trust? What can I trust? Where can I trust? How much can I trust? And how do I have to categorize this kind of, the information that's coming from them, the relational information and maybe the project related information? Yeah. I think there are times when we, when we notice that, when we really, because we are very good at doing it unconsciously, um, and then we're just later exhausted. Uh, but when it becomes conscious to us, it can be really dangerous, vulnerable, and useful to, to name it, right? Just be like, and that this is where you really have to trust in the relationship. I'm thinking about um, someone who I worked with at one point uh, who was promoted into a new role and now had a much broader set of responsibilities and, you know, and was thinking about the person who had been in that role previously. Uh, And so there was a lot of like conscious or unconscious comparing uh, and person was, you know, and he and I talked about this and he was, you know, feeling sort of a lack of confidence about this. And this sort of image management start was a new behavior for him. Like, he and I had worked together a bunch before that. And when he moved into this new role, he started to, to show up in these ways that didn't seem as authentic and didn't feel as authentic as, as I had interacted with him previously. And because of our relationship, I was able to name that, right? I could say, I'm, I'm feeling like there's something you're not saying here, or I'm wondering if, and, and, and basically make an opening for it. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Um, but when it did, it was great because then actually we could kind of be honest about what was going on and we both could spend less energy on that, right? Him on trying to manage it and me interacting with it and reacting with it. And so, uh, it can be really powerful and dangerous, right? There's a risk there, um, to, to doing that, uh, to asking the other person, 
you know, to basically saying to the other person, I'm, I'm not trusting what you're saying. I, I'm not perceiving you as being fully authentic or honest. Uh, and I was able to use language that worked in our relationship. Um, and, and deciding to do that or not to do that is something that we're also spending energy on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that, that there, there is a lot of skill required to do that well in most cases. I mean, it's, it's one thing if you're in that coach relationship. I mean, as you said, you had the relationship with him for all the reasons. I think there's a particular energy that goes into holding space for authenticity, holding structures that might welcome it when you're the primary person in the room that does that kind of thing. Yes. So naming values, tracking who's getting turns to speak when, you know, paying attention to what are the dynamics and the power dynamics and all of these things that give us the safety to be vulnerable to, right? There's this whole sort of domino effect. But I think that that one of the things we're really tracking here is that this can be intentionally shifted. And there is this sort of promised land at the other end of the work where we have this lovely flow kind of relationship where, which I think Paul and I have actually, where we can say these things mostly, probably not perfectly so, we've got always room to grow, but that we can say to each other, yeah, you know, I'm not there with you or I'm not sure what this is saying or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's yummy and lovely and you're not going to go from we're putting on our professional personas to that without expending energy there. Right. Uh, the two things that come to mind around this, I mean, this is really what Amy Edmondson is talking about when she talks about psychological safety. She's talking about the ability to take interpersonal risks and, and, to, and to not have the fear of certain types of, of consequences prevent you from doing that. Um, and that means that you're not having to manage that fear. You're not having to manage those risks. So you're spending less energy on that. So you're actually able to do this stuff. That's the, the research basis for, for a lot of this. And, yeah, and connected to it is kind of what we've talked about in previous episodes, that when you're going to make a change, usually it's going to get worse before it gets better. If I want to spend less energy, and we as a group want to spend less energy on managing those things, on having more authentic and real relationships, we're going to, we have to give up our well-honed habits of presenting how we present and of interacting with other people in those very gu in guarded ways. Um, and it's going to take more energy so that we can eventually spend less energy on all of that. So we can spend more energy eventually on the work we're all trying to do together. But yeah, it's not a, it's not a smooth linear path. <laughs> and I want to name that a big chunk of that more energy is courage. Is the energy to talk yourself into it, to gather your courage, because guess what? It is dangerous and it won't always go well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not courage to do the thing that won't actually go badly. You just think it might. It's courage to do the thing that actually a percentage of the time is going to go badly. Yeah. Where, you're, where you screw it up, right? And you try it and it goes wrong and you've got to deal with the, with the consequences of that. Yeah. And I want to name that this is iterative. That, they're, that this isn't an all or nothing, in or out kind of thing, um, but it is a process that I think we go through over and over again. And we, you know, so we get a little more flow and that feels great. And then we run into the next stumbling block that kind of points us to, oh wait, we're again, getting bogged down in energy, spending energy in that sort of relational, interpersonal 
either self-regulating, what am I allowed to say? What do I, what am I safe to do here? Filtering or filtering what's coming from that other person and how much have they filtered and are not fully showing up? Like both of those pieces, which tend to travel together. Um, so I, I think I just want to name that there's, there's no done, but also you don't have to get to perfection to get reward and shift. Lots of little steps. Yeah. So it sounds like what we're really saying here is that uh, there is always energy that we are spending on what it is that we're presenting and what it is that we're not, what, what we're filtering and what we're, what we're letting through those filters. There's an energetic cost to ourselves and also to the people who we're interacting with, which means that energy can't be then spent on the work that we're doing together. When we start to recognize that, there are strategies that we can use for starting to be a little more open and disclose more and be vulnerable, which can create an environment where we can actually interact more effectively, where we can spend more of our energy on the work that we're trying to do together. That path is not smooth and linear. <laughs> There's also never a perfect spot that we're gonna get to, but that every incremental step that we can take is useful. And I think that's gonna do it for us today. Until next time, I'm Karen Gimnig. And I'm Paul Tevis. This has been Employing Differences. Mm -hmm.